0: Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at DealMachine.com. bp
1: You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Calling all property owners and operators. Are you managing a multifamily property and looking to elevate your resident's living experience? Introducing Quantum Fiber Internet your go-to choice for speedy internet your residents will love. The process is as seamless as quantum fiber service. Starting at just $50 a month, your residents can enjoy fast, reliable internet that will make them love where they live even more. Connect with your local fiber representative today. Learn more at q.com slash go big. I wonder how they got that domain. That's q.com slash go big. Limited availability. Service and rate in select locations only. Taxes and fees apply. 360 Wi-Fi and other equipment lease charges, taxes, and fees are excluded from Price for Life offer and may be increased.
2: This is Show 8 of the Bigger Pockets Podcast.
1: You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com. Your home for real estate investing online.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Bigger Pockets podcast. I'm your host Josh Dorkin, along with my co-host Mr. Brandon Turner. What's going on, Brandon? How's your week going?
3: Hey, Josh, it's going all right. Uh, I gotta admit, I'm a little. My butt is getting kicked from this insanity workout program, which is uh, fun, but man, that thing kills. You ever done that?
2: I I have not worked out in a long time. Thank you for calling <laughs> me out. You you know that and. Uh, so you know you're trying to pressure me here. That, it's I not ha- that I am. That uh, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> but other, than, all right. Other it doesn't. It, hey,
2: it doesn't. It doesn't show if it makes any difference.
3: <laughs> yeah, but the listeners don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, the, my week is going well. Um, I actually I put an offer. I had kind of a, I put an offer on a fourplex. Actually, I talked about it on the Bigger Pockets blog a few weeks ago. About I made a video on how I analyze an investment property. And then I went and put an offer on it. Um, they were asking 120. I offered them 80. They verbally accepted. Um, The the agent called and said that they accepted. Uh, There was four days of kind of limbo where they were just saying, yeah, we'll do it. Sounds good. And then I got an email saying somebody higher up the chain said, no way. We're not taking a $40,000 loss. So now it's sitting back on the market. So that's kind of a bummer. But um, yeah, that's kind of a bummer. So. Sounds
2: like a sounds like the typical goings on of an investor. So yeah, y- you know, roll with the punches, baby. It
3: does, yeah. And actually, one thing I did when I did that is I submitted a piece of paper with it, um, a cover letter. I've never done this before, but I submitted a cover letter with my like, "Hey, my name's Brandon. This is my wife. We're looking to buy this property, and um, you know, we want to improve the neighborhood. Blah blah blah." And then put our picture on there. You know, cute young couple uh, invested in real estate. And my theory was that it's a local bank that's selling this, like a small local community bank i thought well whoever's in charge might see that and think oh you know this is great you know it's some emotion in that
2: oh how cute let's give them our money because they're cute exactly
3: that's my theory so i put that up on the bigger (laughs) (laughs) so i asked that question on the forums the other day if that if that would actually work or not and i think most people thought well it's worth a try some people said i don't know probably not but i thought it was worth the risk but uh yeah uh, maybe it worked and maybe it worked initially, but maybe it didn't work for the higher ups. that's probably what happened. It's,
2: it's possible and and that actually you know the give it a try attitude you know is is definitely one that today's guest uh, exhibits. So I, I think it's kind of a, a good uh, example uh, for, for for exactly what we're going to be talking about later. Um, but that that does lead us to to a new feature that we we do want to do on the show here called the bigger pockets quick tip where uh, we're going to let you guys know just a little bit of a little factoid I guess about using bigger pockets to help you uh, maximize your investing and uh today's tip is something a lot of you guys may know already but for those of you who who read the bigger pockets blog at biggerpockets.com/re-newsblog did you know that there's actually a whole nother world on biggerpockets called the biggerpockets forums that have uh over 500,000 posts or slightly under 500,000 posts we've we're we're right at that borderline right about now. Um, at the time that the show is coming out, but uh, uh, hundreds of conversations. There's tons of activity going on in the forums. Uh, so if you were not aware, um, go and check it out. Again, biggerpockets.com/slash/forums other the forums. Um, and for those of you people who who know of the biggerpockets forums and use the biggerpockets forums, there's this whole another world on pockets uh, the bigger pockets blog where we've got dozens of authors who are writing unbelievable content every day. We're putting out multiple articles a day. Um, so check that out. I'm way past 30 seconds. So the (laughs) the 30 second quick tip is obviously not so quick anyway. Um,
3: let's talk Brandon. Let's introduce (laughs) our guest.
2: (laughs) Why why, why don't we do that? Al Williamson, our guest today is a (laughs) professional civil engineer, uh, Who's also a landlord? Um, Al's pretty pretty active on Bigger Pockets, as well as on his own blog, Leading Landlord. Um, and Al uh, Al talks about pretty unique ways uh, that landlords can create new income streams, reduce expenses, increase their equity, which is uh, pretty much what we want to talk to Al about today. Uh, so, Al, welcome to the show, man.
4: Thank you, Josh. It's an honor to be here. All right with Brandon too. Yeah, the honor is all ours.
2: Slightly less honorable with Brandon. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely good to have you, man. <laughs> definitely good to have you. All right, man. So let's jump right into this. You are a civil engineer turned landlord. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about your, your civil engineer-ness.
4: Okay. Yeah. Well, I've always was a tinker. My father kind of was a mechanic and he he made me watch him, and then I just kind of got into it. I loved fixing things more than blowing them up. Uh, nice. I had, had to pick a major. And um, if I wanted to be an inventor, which was the goal, I figured I better just do something general. Let's do civil. Okay. So that's, that's how that came about.
2: And what, what's the focus in civil?
4: Well, civil so structures, you know, I oversee bridge construction, roadways, uh, um, I did the solar installation. Uh, Solar PV system on Alcatraz, all kinds of fun stuff. I had a fun career.
2: Wow. Okay. So you're the guy we could yell at when our bridges are falling apart, and you're the guy that uh, (laughs) gets to light up Alcatraz. Very cool.
4: That's it. That's it.
2: Now that's awesome. All right. Well, so what made you then get into real estate? Because you kind of have every young boy's like fantasy job of like building and playing with things.
4: Yeah. You know, I wasn't even thinking about real estate until I got married. I was getting ready to get married, and I went to a, a church picnic, and an older gentleman was giving me all kinds of advice. And, and one of them was, hey, you should think about moving into a, a duplex instead of a single family home. Why don't you guys move into a duplex? So that, that triggered everything. That, was, that started the explosion of me um, reading everything I could get my hands on and, and um, making the numbers work, and I could see it unfolding before my eyes. Nice. How- yeah, so it was, it was, it's uh, it's really good to be able to share things with other people because if, if no one would have uh, put that in my ear, I wouldn't be here.
2: Okay, now that's great. Well, so I, I'm i assuming then that you, you listened to the sage wisdom of the unsolicited advice of the uh, gentleman who, who told you to, to go ahead and buy this duplex, yes?
4: You know, it, it, I did it one step better. I was able to... Um, I have a great wife, and she was cooperative to whatever, whatever you want to do, honey, type of thing. Nice. Nice. So that was awesome. So I, I went for a fourplex <laughs> instead awesome. of a duplex. Nice. But we we, we ended up with a threeplex uh, that worked out really well for us. It uh, was a Victorian, and um, we just loved it. So so we bought it, of course, and we moved into it, and, and we did uh, that play of renting out the other units to offset our living. Gotcha. That's, yeah. I gotcha. started... Oh.
2: Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brandon.
3: Sorry. Well, I was going to say, I started kind of the same way. Um, I bought a, I mean, after my first single family house, which I sold, my wife and I bought a duplex and moved into it. And the other unit offset the, the, the living expenses. So we were living for free for that year. And it was awesome. And uh, yeah, yeah it,
4: it's a great way to start. It is. It's like the you know, the best piece of advice for someone who's, who wants to do a little bit more, especially wealth building while you're young. That's just an awesome move.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. Because I mean, now that I moved out of that place, and probably the same for you, you know, we have that fixed rate, low interest rate owner occupied mortgage, you know. But I don't live there anymore. I just get to keep that. I think I'm at like four or five percent on that one, and uh, I'll have that for probably the next twenty five years.
4: So there you go. It's a great way to step in because you step in as a um, with a low percent down, right? Yep. So so that was great. But um, I don't still have mine. It it blew up on me. It it quadrupled in value, and I. I did a 1031 exchange. To, oh, nice. To take a little bit off the top there. Nice. Yeah, yeah that didn't happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think mine's dropped 20000
3: in value, but, but it doesn't really matter because um, it's a fixed rate mortgage and it cash flows. There you go. Yeah. That's yeah. it.
4: That's cool. it.
2: Hey, what, Al, is a 1031 exchange for those people who are not aware?
4: So that's how you can move your equity without having to pay taxes. So you can move into, you have to take out a little bit more debt than, than you currently whatever your mortgage is has to be bigger and uh, you can exchange your property for something that's, um, that's larger has, has um, more debt associated with it uh, without having to pay that 25 long-term capital gains.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. So, and, and of course, anybody who's, who's hearing this and wondering about 1031 exchanges, please seek the advice of a professional before trying to go ahead and, and, uh, do one of these things. And there's plenty of information about 1031s on bigger pockets. Um, but, uh, uh, okay. So you, you got into real estate, you, you bought this, this multi, you know, and now you're living with your tenants. Let's yes. talk about that because, you know, for me, I never did it because that was a huge fear. I did not want to live next to my tenants. I didn't want to bang on the door at, at two in the morning. I don't want my tenants to know where I live. You know, I don't want to deal with that headache. Um, What are the pros and the cons of living next to your tenants?
4: Well, you know, you know, really depends on your personality and how you're going about it. Because I definitely understand how you feel about it. For for us, I was I was learning the business. I I fixed everything myself at the time, and I I like to I enjoy fixing things so that they don't break again. So that if I touch it, I'm going to do it once and it's going to last me for ten years. So I ended up working all the problems out. And there was no issue with uh, my my neighbors, or my tenants. In fact, it was a small, I don't know how it turned about, but I realized I was able to kind of create a little community there where everyone was uh, taking care of each other. And when we moved out, uh, we were able to bring uh, someone to replace us into our unit that also fit into that little community that we had. And it was great. They, they ended up not even wanting us to... Uh, they just sent the rent. They really wanted to, to take care of the place themselves. They wanted to um, take care of each other, so they had a, a big stakeholder type of mindset. So that's in my case. That's what happened in, in my case here in Sacramento. So I don't have any cons at all.
2: Gotcha. And 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 you, and, you know that's one of those things that you know I definitely wanted to talk about with you. Um, I know you you tend to uh, I, I guess. Preach uh, is maybe the the right word. I don't know about that's a, uh, that's a good word. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, you know, preach about uh, the community and and building a sense of community and and taking care of your tenants and you know being a good landlord and you know I, I that's that's phenomenal. That's you know we're we're all about that. You know we want we want more people uh, to be doing that because you know I, 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 anyone who knows me will know that you know I'm really big on. We, as an industry, need to work better. We need to try harder. We need to, to really do our best to um, build a better image. Um, and not just for PR sake, but because we need to do better by one another. And and so, you know, I, I think that's awesome. Um, I, I, why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about, you know, wh- what's, your, what's your philosophy on, um, you know, j- just what landlords need to do to be good landlords what's a good landlord in your mind
4: okay you know i think most landlords especially the ones i re- i fall on bigger pockets are great with, with their tenants and taking care of their units and their properties they're not they don't fit into the slumlord thing at all what i really get passionate about is beyond your property line as soon as you step out, off your curb, you got you're part of the rest of the neighborhood. There's all kinds of interconnections there. Everyone's depending on you as the property owner to participate in the civic activities of that on that block. So if if you check out, your tenants check out, and there's the community has, um, has lost a great opportunity to um, to grow and, and to strengthen that, that block. So it starts a downward spiral if the landlord is not interested. If the landlord has a ATM philosophy about their property and doesn't care as long as their roof is not leaking, they don't really care what's going on or around their property. Then that sets uh, the stage for neighborhood decline.
2: I I I, I agree with you. Um, you know, it's funny. I had some property in uh, in the inner city, and. Uh, you know, I ran a nice property and of course uh, the properties around mine started to, to kind of decline. And, you know, it was, it was horrifying uh, to see this because, you know, I'm doing my best. I'm trying to, you know, keep this up. I was not, I was an absentee. I was long distance landlord. Um, but, uh, what I, what I had zero control over was what was happening in the community. And, and so, you know, unfortunately, no matter how hard I tried, no matter what I did uh, to be a good landlord, if the other properties are falling apart and and the landlords aren't involved in, in what's going on, you're, that's exactly what's going to happen. And I had a bail; I had to get out before I was bleeding. You know, uh, you know, so much so I was I was broke. You know, I couldn't do that. Yeah. So I had a bail, um, and it was unfortunate because you know there was an opportunity for this to really turn around and become a you know, a, a great, a uh, great area and a great, great investment. But yeah, right. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. That's, that's a great philosophy.
4: Well, let me add a couple more things. I think if you're in the inner city, what I'm talking about is inner city things. If you're in a middle class or affluent neighborhood, then disregard everything I said. Those guys are, that <laughs> communities are taking care of themselves. You know, it's a healthy environment, especially as you go to an affluent neighborhood, they don't really care about landlords. They can live with, without landlords. But if you move to the inner city, they are dependent on landlords. That's where the uh, um, owner occupancy rate is low and the renters' percent of renters is really high. And, and landlords have all the levers at that point. So if, if landlords are who have all the biggest stakeholders, if they're not interested in the community, Guess what? It's it's all kinds of disorder, and and that's going to attract um, all kinds of things that you don't want to happen there.
2: Okay, okay, so how does a landlord make sure they're not a slumlord? Then I, I you know, I, I it's kind of it's one of those like, hey, if you don't know who the slumlord is in the room, you're you're him.
4: <laughs> 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 no, no, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I think I think. Generally, all landlords are taking care of their tenants and they're fixing things Times, There's very few of those landlords. I'm talking about talking to the landlord that owns the property right next to you, making sure that, that you guys are watching out for each other, you know? making sure that litter doesn't stay on the ground for, for long times. I mean, you don't have to pick, spend all day picking it up, but you're responsible for making sure it gets up. Oftentimes, and I'm talking about inner city, uh, things go unresolved because no one steps up as a leader and and things languish because no one's oper- operating as a leader.
2: Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think uh, in my own investing, I think I've seen that as well. There, there's a neighborhood where I have an apartment complex and it was a pretty rough neighborhood to start with. And it still is, I mean, it wasn't the worst, but it wasn't, it wasn't real great. And so by buying the apartment and fixing it up and trying to make it look good and painting and landscaping and, just garbage duty, like you just mentioned, um, was huge. Just kind of taking a leadership in in the garbage pickup in that neighborhood. Um, I mean, the the entire neighborhood has increased in value because of um, what we've done so far. Just at that one property, and I'm pursuing another one on the same street, so I can try to you know take over the whole area. <laughs> but uh, um, absolutely, yeah, yeah, it's not a bad idea. But I I like what you said. Um, you and I talked once before, and you mentioned yeah, like, and you just brought it up again. Is talk to the guy who lives next door. Like that's where you need to go, and and that's something I have not done. I've never really gone and talked to the landlord who owns the rental property on that street. So, uh, that's that's really really good advice. Um, I'm also wondering, was was your first deal like your when you started out? Were those all inner city? No, I
4: started off in. Oh, well, it was it was it was a kind of a seedier part of Sacramento. It was which is now uh, one of the best parts of Sacramento. It's called Midtown Sacramento, right next to. Um, Downtown Sacramento, and now it's filled with coffee shops and great uh, cafes and great places to eat. But at the time I was getting in, it was it was just uh, going through a, a neighborhood revitalization process, and it was it was okay. But no one was giving it credit, the neighborhood credit. There's always a lag time before uh, the outside community recognizes what's going on. So I I got in at the lag, and then. Um, I caught a, I caught some wins that helped out the property values.
3: Okay, and, but now, you, now you probably do a little bit more with the inner city. It sounds sounds like, yes, yes. Okay.
4: I, I, I didn't. So, I, I, um, you no. Know, as I put everything together, I start reflecting about what was happening. I saw, I saw some trends, and I saw, hey, if I want to buy low, and I love exercising. Uh, I like being a leader, <laughs> especially in places that. Uh, need some type of someone to step forward and be a a, a crosswalk guard and to tell, yeah. and say hey you guys can go you guys can stop come on you know yep. it, that helps everything flow and that creates value and i'm all about uh, creating equity hmm. so that's that's what it's about it's an equity play um, that that's very cost effective
2: no that makes that makes a lot of sense yeah I, I, I want i want to take back to to the point about talking to the neighbors you know with with um you know, as as a landlord, I've actually found that um absolutely, you know, even as a homeowner, you know, first of all, you gotta, you know, when you're going to buy a house or you're going to buy a property, before you even buy it, talking to the neighbors is absolutely, at least what I found, the single most important thing that you could possibly do in terms of learning about this this potential property that you're going to be purchasing, learning about the neighborhood. You know, yep. it's funny neighbors, neighbors love to gossip. Neighbors love to talk. <laughs> Yes, so, so if you could go and, you know, knock on the door and say, Hey, I'm looking at the property next door. You know, I really love this neighborhood. I love the property. Here's what I'm looking to do. You know, what are yes. your thoughts? What do you, what do you know about the property? What do you, you know, it's going to give you so much insight um, so that, you know, Hey, maybe you're going to end up picking up, you know, these tenants that you might have to you know dump as soon as you get in because right. they're doing bad things or or whatever else, whatever else it is. Um, right. But I, I just wanted to mention that because it came to me and I was like, yeah, you know, this, is is so important is, is dealing with these neighbors.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Um so uh, l- let's talk about that first the, the first deal. What Okay. Um what what lessons I guess uh, did you did you learn in that first deal?
4: Yeah, the the, the lesson was learned with there was it really pays off to know everything about your your property. Knowing all the components, that was really helpful. I had ended up having a some pipe leaks, and I learned about the um, how to the restoration process from a flood restoration company coming in. So that was good. It was good also that I spent some time on the first one to, to do some learning uh, instead of um, running out and grabbing three properties because I could, and, and um, that was great about that. Also, I let the equity build up on this first one so that was really that was really nice i was able to under the economic conditions at the time in the in the mid 90s to 2000 it was just building up so i was able to uh, exchange into a even nicer property than if uh i tried to take skim off the top right away so patience patient equity is I, I learned the power of that for the first one for sure
2: okay okay and and so you you said mid 90s um sounds like you've been in the business for for a little while, including the uh, the, the bubble, um, yes yes did you, uh, did you experience the crash firsthand of the, the bubble popping? Uh, you know were you, I did. were you <laughs> protected? Did. Oh, you did okay
4: I did. I was so in like in '98 or 2008, yeah, I was laid off. I, I was working for a I had stopped working for the this, this state of California as an engineer. I was doing some nonprofit work. Just because I wanted to give back a little bit, and I got laid off from that job, and also my tenants at the time of my my A-plex and also my my other units were having issues as well with jobs and income, and so I ended up uh, with big vacancies and also uh, um, functional vacancies where people are living there but are or having struggling to pay, and uh, so I ended up with some of those. So that was that was very painful. That was very painful. It was going through your savings just to uh, keep it afloat, you know. But it ended up working out. But that was tough. That was tough times. I guess from there, I learned that I didn't want to be dependent on tenants for rent, for my rent. That's kind of shaped my philosophy um, in general. I, I, I started looking for other sources of income, um, giving me the thinking, hey, I shouldn't be fully dependent on rent. So even though that's what landlords do, but there's so much more that you can do. Um, we think a laundry and okay, great. You can do laundry. But what else could I do to make some income working with the tenants? Does that really open my eyes to that opportunity? Mother of necessity, right?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Well, what 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 are those things? I mean, you yeah, know, I off the top of my head, I think I think laundry, I think vending machines. You know what? What uh, what other income sources? I guess a garage storage. You know what? What what comes? What are you doing in in addition? I
4: I started collecting those. So for for I started collecting ideas to see which ones I could use. And you're right, garage storage. There's you know your parking spots. You can rent them out during the day to uh, local businesses, things like that. Um, There's also uh, working with your neighbor if you guys are both need. Your lawns mode, then you know go for some di- group discount on your landscaper so you're lowering your expenses if, if you need snow shoveling you know things like that go in, going with groups and uh, you know I tried out actually tried out an experiment I was I was working through with my blog and I, and I saw that uh, for the opportunities for Wi-Fi that people were paying like 70 dollars 50 70 dollars and everyone works in their silos with Wi-Fi. So I started to try to crack that code of how can we work together save each other you know fifty dollars per person and uh, so I tried an experiment which failed <laughs> i couldn't get my I could get my wiFi signal out far enough to uh do a freemium or um, collect enough c- customers now i was I was using a i'll be real quick here I was using a coffee shop model where you can give your Wi-Fi complimentary in exchange. If someone comes to buy a cup of coffee, they can use the Wi-Fi, right? Yeah. So that's how that works. So I was actually um, giving them a newsletter and, and providing complimentary Wi-Fi. So that's how that that's how that all worked. And I was going to grab a bunch of customers and I was going to cover my my mortgage for my rental. So it had a lot of potential. It just didn't work. Huh.
2: <laughs> Interesting. Interesting.
4: <laughs> Interesting. No, I... but but as you guys talked about before, you got to pay your tuition, your learning tuition, right? Yeah, so I uh, I end up uh, yeah going a whole just about three, almost four thousand dollars. But um, oh, well. I'm gonna I'm still gonna do them again. I'm gonna keep doing experiments until I figure out how to pay for my my mortgage for my Aplex um, without relying on the rents that come from it. Well, it's
2: kind of cool and and if you can if you can succeed i think a lot of people are gonna gonna listen i i i will tell you i am absolutely 100 percent skeptical i i don't <laughs> think it can be done however I, I man if you can do it i i you're it, you're gonna revolutionize uh the income for for multi-families
4: that is my goal you just said it right there yeah, yeah that's cool
3: yeah uh, you know on, on your part.
4: Oh, go ahead no, that's what I'm that's what I'm devoting my career to is is to figure that one out.
3: That's cool. You know, you talk about on your blog I read something the other day that said uh you call it the hundred dollar expense reduction challenge. And I know you yes. just touched on that a little bit, but I'd like to talk a little more about that. Because you know, it's it's oftentimes landlords look at ways to increase income and we say, Well, we can raise the rent a little bit or we can, you know, charge late fees or we can you know, whatever, rent the garage out. Uh, but I really like that you talked about the expense reduction. So, you know, can you talk a little bit more about that kind of challenge and uh, some of the ideas you've come up with?
4: Well, I'm just starting this challenge, but yeah, I'm going to look through every piece of my expenses and and try to try to brainstorm ways so that I can reduce them. And um, basically, the goal is is to find a hundred dollars of savings. Now, this this is the flip side. I did a hundred dollar income challenge for alternative income. Now I'm doing the Expense reduction to see uh, what comes out of it. I, I don't know, you know, it's like the beginning of a math problem. I don't know <laughs> what's going to fall out, but I'm putting myself out there and um, ha- having my, you know, people hold me accountable. It puts the pressure on, so and that's when I that's when I'm the most creative <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I'm under the gun. So that's that's I, I, you you will know. I'm going to keep it up in my bigger practice blog of what what comes out of it. Oh, that's so cool. great.
2: That's great. Hey Al, let's let's talk about financing a little bit. Um Okay. What uh what type of financing are you using? It it sounds like you're you're mostly a a multifamily guy. Are you yes. uh, you also doing singles or or
4: I have one single. I had to buy cuz it's right next door to my multi. You had to. Well, for defense. <laughs> for defense, yeah. I didn't want oh, the wrong person that would the wrong person moving there would have emptied out my my eight unit. Yeah, so I bought that one. Um, it's a mixture of family loans. Uh, I take, I have some families with a little bit of savings at low interest rate. I can give them a much better rate, so they're really happy with that. So I do that, and then, like for the for the single house that I have, I had a, a little chunk of change and a bunch of friends with even less chunk of change. So I took make it, the promissory notes for them for friends, and secured by the the single family house, and we just um, bought it outright. Oh, cool. So it's a so it's a combination. I pay them now that you have online bill pay and things like that. You can have hundreds of uh, you can pay hundreds of monthly interest payments per month to different people, and they're happy with that. Seeing a check come to them every month, yeah. And uh, it's just a matter of using what the, the new technology to manage all those things.
2: So this is all. I mean, this is all private money at this point that, that you're all, using. There.
4: Yeah, for that house it's all private money small amounts, you know, $5,000 right loans and things like that. Just And also, you know, when people know that they're a part of, they don't have an equity stake in it, a part of that house, they drive by and take a look at it, and they keep an eye on it, and uh, it feels good. So this how just more accountability.
2: How many partners do you have on that house? There's 10. 10 partners. Wow. Yeah.
4: That's... Small loans. Small, loan, small yeah. loans, yeah. That's kind of cool. Buy, I, like I can buy them out. Anyone out at any time, so um, I don't. I haven't overextended myself. I'm still the biggest um, cash cash lender in there.
2: And how does that work? Because i I've never I've never heard of anybody doing this on on a small scale like this. Obviously, on large scale projects, you, right. you know, you'll hear syndications and things like that. But right. you know, with with folks you know, pooling together your friends. Um, uh, to, to finance a deal, I I've never heard of it on, on again on such a small scale with so many people. Um, what what are the challenges that that you face uh, in doing that B- beyond just like managing ten people? Yeah. Are there personality problems or
4: nope, not not there's no problems whatsoever. I did it so that I have a track record to do larger things. You, you guys smart. talked about it on your shows before. Now I have five years of experience when I go. You know, I'm planning on making a jump in a few years from now to a much bigger property. But I have this track record of um, of making payments to these people and, and ten investors that are happy. Also, I got them the degree to, when a place is vacant, no payments go out, and I would catch them up later. Oh, so that's key. That's key. If you can get your investors to say, hey, especially in small places, if it's vacant, I'm going to hold, hold off on making payment, and I'll catch up down the line.
2: Interesting. That, that's man. You are twisting me up, man. You, you uh, this is this should be the Al Williamson, <laughs> like you know how to how to do a landlord in, uh, uh, What's the word? How to uh, hustle. It's the, to how hustle. to hustle the yeah. inconv- unconventional <laughs> landlord. I guess I don't know. That's, I,
4: that's exactly what I would love to be considered. That yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That is interesting. Uh,
2: you know. Okay, so I can totally see that on a small scale. You put out yeah. like five grand. Okay, cool, no biggie. Yeah. But yeah. like. You know, now when you're talking about larger scale, and and it sounds like you haven't yet had the opportunity to test this on a larger scale.
4: I'm moving there. I'm moving there. (laughs) I
2: I, I, again, I wonder on the success rate that you're going to have on people saying, "Yeah, no, you could hold off payment until you got a tenant in there." If if it were me, I'd say, I you know, that's that's not happening, man. (laughs) You you know, (laughs) you know, the mortgage payment is due on this date. Here's here's the deal. I mean, I get it, and I think it's cool. And shoot, I wish as a as 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 a, an investor, you know, I could find people to to agree to it. And it's astonishing that you've done it. And I, I guess it's worth trying. You know, is worth is is. I guess the advice that I'm getting from this is, you know, you don't know till you try.
4: Now, Josh, I I gotta push back on you just a little bit <laughs> because, <laughs> because you away, have man. you have all kinds of credibility, and you've been in this game, and people have people around you who watched you do things and struggle and make it and and. Continue to climb. They're gonna, they're gonna make that type of loan for you, especially if they have a little chunk of change. <laughs> well, they're you're talking about that.
2: no, but you're talking about you know. Th- let's not take me out of the equation. This isn't <laughs> about me. This isn't. This isn't about me. This is about like you know the thousands of people who are sitting listening to us debate this here. Yeah, this and is about them.
4: If you they know, have a track record, if they have a track record, that's the key. Yeah. and and, and people and they work with integrity and people know that and. And folks are having 1% interest rates in the bank. It sounds like a pretty good option to me. Plus, especially if they say, hey, I'm going to buy you out anytime.
2: Interesting. Hey, Brandon, what's, what, what's your take on this, man? Get get in on this action. Come on. <laughs>
3: all right. Well, what it brings up in my mind is Kickstarter. You know, the the website Kickstarter where uh, yeah. crow- crowdfunding and all that. Um, That's it's, it. Yeah. It's like a small version of that. And I know that there's, there's rules being changed right now. Um, and I don't, I don't claim to understand all of them, but I know that the government is becoming more and more open to this kind of thing for real estate investors. You know, before it was, syndications were a real complicated thing, and you had to get SEC, I guess, regulations, I figured out, and it was a mess. Um, but I believe that they're opening that up, so I'm interested just to see, you know, how that's going to turn out for you, and if you can do it on a bigger scale. Um, I mean, Brian Burke a few a uh, few weeks ago, I think it was show three, um. I mean, that's what he did. He went in with, uh, what did he say? He got half a police million dollars. Officers, yeah. yeah, police officers. Yeah. He went and got 20, yeah. 20 police officers or whatever, and uh, yeah. they raised half a million dollars just like that. So kind of a, uh, I, I just, I love the fact that you're willing to try this stuff and, and yeah. uh, kind of make yourself the uh, the test dummy. For- <laughs> I, um, I, hey, I, take I, away dummy. <laughs> have, he is no dummy, that's for sure. <laughs> i the
4: test. You know, I, I actually had called uh, Brian before your show uh, a few months ago, he was generous enough to, to give me some advice because I was, you know, I'm thinking about uh, exchanging my Apex with before I'm 50. You know, in three years, I, I want to switch switch styles. And he gave me some great advice. I'll share that with you guys because uh, there's a going from eight units to re- really re- need 30 some units to kind of get a good management company, good on-site management company to to keep up my level of uh, integrity and what I want my rentals to look like. I have this thing in my head about it's a physical representation of me, so I can't just have my rental look any type of way. But that's that's me. So I'm gonna need to have to pay a, a quality management company or on-site management company. So one thing he said is to start interviewing management companies well ahead of time, before you actually go make that purchase. Before you're into that 10:31 time zone, you know. Uh, get, build a relationship with that management company, uh, get them looking for properties for you, and and take a look at how they handle their portfolio, and then um, go from there. So that's kind of where I am now. In the next three years, I'm I'm finding out uh, who's the player for those for that 16 to 32 unit, um, who specializes in that.
3: That's great. And, and- yeah,
2: definitely. And you said ten thirty-one time zone, just to clarify for people who don't know, when you do a ten thirty one exchange, there is a set period of time uh under in which you actually do have to uh do the exchange. Uh otherwise you I I, I don't know the, the you know exact legal yeah, behind something it. Something bad happens. <laughs> something <laughs> bad. Yeah.
4: Something bad happens, yeah.
2: Yeah. And and the other thing I want to bring up also is um it's really important for anyone listening who's thinking, Hey, I can grab, I could go out and put out ads and say, Hey guys, you know, give me your money and I'll, you know, and, and, uh, let's put all that money together and buy a house. You know, there are, there are SEC regulations. Um, and y- you definitely need to know what you're doing before you start putting people's money together. Um, Al did this with, with folks that he knows, which, um, you know, b- basically gives him, it gets them kind of under the radar, so to speak. Um, right. But, you know, this is not legal advice, so definitely. You know, <laughs> no? No, 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 no. Definitely I, jump a in a and talk. I'm yep. a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and nor are we, so, you know, definitely talk to uh, an um, attorney who who can advise you on, on these matters because you, you definitely don't want to get in trouble with the SEC. That said, transition.
4: <laughs> so
2: you're currently managing your properties now, right, Al?
4: I am right now I am. Okay, is, um, it's been real easy for me at this point.
2: Yeah, everything's easy with you. I don't I don't know. <laughs> now it's like everything, oh, what about this? What are your challenges? Nah,
4: no challenges.
2: It was easy. What about this? Oh, it was easy. Sorry. It, is
4: now. it is now. It wasn't always.
2: All right, so what were the what were the biggest challenges for you as an up-and-coming landlord in terms of property management?
4: So, um it was learning to be a uh, tough affair you know i'm a I'm pretty nice luck guy but you know you got you got to kick people out at, at times and i end up i hate the eviction process it's it's just painful for me to have to take off work and go to court and all that and i didn't want to hire anyone so i i i've i've come to now just buying people out yep
2: cash for keys
4: I, I, cash for keys i want you out of my place I also have some uh, pretty strict uh lease lease clauses about hey if you're if you got anything shady going on, if you're disturbing the other tenants, you know that's a that's a, that's breaking our lease. And here, here's some money. I, I I bring them boxes. I I rent U-hauls for them. Well, that's cool. Just get get out. Really, <laughs> that's really, not, that's I'm, not a bad uh, idea I, at all. I don't. I I really don't. Um, maybe I take it too personally. <laughs> but but I, my my children have to be able to live there at any of my units at any time. Otherwise, I don't really want to be a part of that. So if I need to get someone out quick, um, that's what I do.
2: So what does that look like? Uh, you know, an eviction's going to cost you how much?
4: It costs like five five hundred dollars. So if you're lucky, all right, with legal fees and filing fees. And that's and what if you do, you do like, yourself. But right? yeah, if you do, but you know, the lost income because the tenant's not going to pay during that time, and they may thrash your place, thrash your place, flush yep. things down. So I, you know, I'm happy to to pay people out and, and uh, put on a, a smile.
2: Hey, what's your buyout? Because I'm I want to move into your unit <laughs> and, and stop
4: paying the rent. <laughs> yeah, hopefully
3: your tenants don't listen to this and get, get any ideas.
4: You know, uh, that's that's funny. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> you know, I, I do the same thing. Yeah, it, it if if I feel like I have failed a little bit if I let someone someone gets through my screening through all my I have a lot of uh, deterrence and things like that, like I have um, signs that say "Smile, you're on camera." Different things like that.
2: Now is there an actual camera, or are you? I, I you... don't
4: talk about that piece. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the Look, a, look I, around. I, I, there I might be. <laughs> it's a deterrent. It's a deterrent, yeah. and I, I try to stack deterrents on top of each other, um, letting them know, "Hey, I'm the neighbor. I'm the neighborhood watch captain here on this block. <laughs> you know, when I'm screening people, they they know that.
2: So. Oh, that's great, and and you know." Uh, we we put together on Bigger Pockets the this ultimate guide to tenant screening, uh, which anybody listening can check out at BiggerPockets.com slash tenant screening. And it's got tons of really, really awesome information about screening a tenant. But let's, you know, I'd love to hear from you. You know, what are your particularly because of of, of the demographic, you know, what what's the biggest challenge in, in screening tenants for you?
4: You know, you wanna for for me, I want to make sure they have three times the, the income. Their income be three times the rent. Yep, I do the same thing, and, and I'm also looking for uh, assurances that they're going to be able to make that into the future. And and I'm a maybe a little lenient uh, if I hear their their problems or what happened and th- things have changed. Then I'm I'm going to uh, work with them a little bit. But you know, lately is where I am right now with the place or so how the neighborhood's going is we're getting a much better quality of tenant. So all those uh excuses and things I don't I really don't have to deal with anymore. It's during the during the lean times like the uh oh seven, oh eight, when everyone was getting laid off and the housing was going down and jobs are going away from Sacramento. Sacramento was hit pretty hard, so you had to deal with the gray market a little bit more.
3: Well and I, I think another part of that Al probably is the fact that you've, you know, improved your properties and, and you kinda of build a reputation, right? I mean uh, right. people start to know in the neighborhood that you you run a, a, a tight ship and uh, this is a good place to live. Do you, have, have you noticed that as well?
4: It is in our neighborhoods better. You know, one of my I have this thing called the, the, the landlord lid where other landlords kind of keep your property values down. That's the lid they place. But working with to get working with other landlords and working with my neighbors and and doing the community building things like a national night out and the, the and always being the, you know, the, the crosswalk <laughs> monitor telling people, hey, hey, you got it. You really got to clean up <laughs> or this is not, you know, I, I I need to talk to your landlord about what's going on here. You know, I don't have a problem putting myself in that position has made our neighborhood better and it's nicer. And it's, um so more people are attracted to it. It's also become, it's, it's, it's so nice that it's become a, political football where they're trying to redistrict my, my neighborhood into another person's na- district. They're kind of fighting over the section. That's what's happened. So it really it really works. Talking, talking to your neighbor, saying, saying hello, <laughs> it works.
3: That makes sense. You know, I can hear your uh, – is that your daughter in the background, Al?
4: <laughs> hey, we, yes, it is. You have we, two- yeah, what? <laughs> it's a two-year-old, two and, and, what, three months or so right now? She's uh, exercising her independence and nice. Yes. And it's learning how to talk and becoming less frustrated. So,
3: Okay, well, actually, yeah, why don't we go into that a little bit Um, about you've got a family, obviously, and you've got young kids at home. So uh, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, uh, have kids at home and they think, well, you know, I got a 40-hour-a-week job and I got kids and a family. I can't invest in real estate. I don't have time. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit of how you balance that.
4: You know, I, I kind of end up juggling with them more so than balancing them. When, when it's crunch time, like when I'm flipping over a unit, I let them know, hey, I'm going to, I got to get on this and stay on this. So daddy's going to be not here this weekend. <laughs> so that, that's kind of focused. Cool I don't really try to balance it. I, I, I can't, I, I'm a poor balancer. Yeah. I have, uh, I have a good balance.
3: <laughs> juggling works. I do the same thing. I focus hard on one thing at a time and yeah. uh, move things around. And I
4: tell tell people what's going on, you know, um, like, I'm trying to get this project done. I'll be with you at this time. Yeah. That well, seems to work for me.
2: Well, I could speak to this. Brandon, <laughs> shut up because you don't have kids. You got your cats, you know. I do have my three cats. Listen, kids uh, make for a challenge. That's that's for sure. And and anyone who's got kids knows that that, you know, I mean, there's work and then there's kids and then there's the gray in between. And, uh, you do what you can. I mean, I, I think that's kind of the bottom line is, you know, when you gotta get to work, you gotta get to work. Um, but, you know, I don't know. For me, my family is number one. And Brandon certainly knows that we work every day very closely. And, you know, when my kids need something, at least for me, work stops. Everything stops, work stops. And I go and I take care of my kids. That's my philosophy, you know. I, I I will give up being uber uber successful um, to have a better family life and to make sure my kids are are taken care of and, and um, you know I, I think anyone listening probably uh, you know would agree that that you know you got to put those kids first period and 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 obviously if there's you know things that you got to do like what you're saying Al you know you got to go and do it but you know when the kids come crying something's wrong you're, I, I guarantee you you're back at home taking care of it right.
4: Yep, we're bi- violently nodding my head with you, <laughs> <laughs>
2: and we're watching your head violently now, <laughs> or or not. Um, hey, so I know you and you and Brandon talked about something that I'm 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 curious about, um, and Brandon quoted this thing in my notes here. Um, it's it's the term magnetizing a place. So what what is what is that? What does magnetize a place?
4: There's a there's a lot to it. It's, there's some there's some nerdy side to it, so I'm going to try to keep it interesting because a magnet, it works when these electrons are flowing and it creates of, of oh. field, you know. <laughs> so I want to talk about that. I will talk about, you know, being, being, when you when I, say I went into a very problem, that was my how I did my Apex and how I do some other things is I go in and I'll buy the, the most problematic and largest property I can as close to the edge of the, the good and bad neighborhood, and then I'll spend time there to get my personality to magnetize the place, so that people know what my standards are, and they know I'm not going away, and they and they know I'll say this is not acceptable, and uh, I, I will. Mon- you know, there's it, it has to reflect me, and and then what happens is it repels people who don't. Want to go with the program? They'll naturally they'll they'll they won't feel comfortable with people watching me putting up signs saying you're on camera Mm. and and keeping the place clean and making the other neighbors look look at what's going on and point to it. And they don't like me walking across the street and talking to the neighbor about getting to know them. And they don't like the you know me, me talking to the police officer as he's driving by me knowing his name and them knowing me from a neighborhood meeting, you know, so they will leave, and I will end up attracting. Um, still, it could be still people in the same demographic, still with the same income, but with a, a, a different sense of a priority, differences different sense of honor. So that's that's magnetizing you, attracting um, people to you that fit with you, and repelling those who are not with it.
2: It sounds a lot like what we do on bigger pockets, which is magnetize good, solid people who are trying to, uh, run good businesses and, and help one another versus, you know, the, those folks who are looking to take advantage of other people, um, who I guess by virtue of the way the community is, 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 and, and by the leadership that we've set that, you know, they, they don't want to be there because they know that, you know, the community is going to run them off. We're not going to run them off. You know, the community is going to run them off and that, that's, that's a great philosophy and and I think between what you and you and Brandon were talking about I mean you know it it works you know when people yeah. know that you're a good landlord uh, yeah. they're they're attracted to it hey uh really quick and then we got to run to to the end of this thing um you had talked about buffer zones um and and you know that to me is something I always wanted to do when I had these these challenging properties I just couldn't get to it quick enough um didn't have the the resources you know you you see a buffer zone potentially for this big multi that you've got um with uh that single family that you've got next door but now what's the buffer between that single family and the one next to it that that might potentially get overrun by somebody at what point does you know does do you have to keep buying the property next to the next property next to the next one to create this buffer zone in these tougher neighborhoods is there is there a line or or does it you know how does that work
4: well it's it's the way i see it is it's a relationship with the owner if if there's the one that was next to me it was just too close and, and at the time um, i had to, i just had to get it and plus i had i wanted to try that um, group investing crowdsource thing but i do know the neighbor next to it he's on my speed dial he's i have i can contact him on facebook when his Vince gets tagged i i let him know if, if, if uh, trash is in front of it, he'll see me pick it up and I'll say, Hey, I know you would have done the same for me. <laughs> uh, and we have that, that sense of, um, you know, it's a lot of reciprocation going on. The same with all the neighbors across the street. I know all the owners, whether they live there or not, they, they hear from me once a year, if not more. Uh, especially, you know, I, I'm always touting this neighborhood, I mean, this National Night Out. Right? So every landlord, that I know in my area, they'll get a note from me saying, hey, I need you to contribute 30 bucks. And we, I've, I raise money for that, and we have a really nice time. They invite their tenants. So, I, guess, so I, I kind of manufactured a reason for me to contact them for something that's not bad. So when I, when I do reach for them, I uh, have to tell them something um, not so bad. It's, it's much easier, and we can get results. Got it,
2: got it. Hey, really quickly, what is National Night Out for those people who don't know?
4: So National Night Out, it happens the first Tuesday every year. is It's run by the um, uh, National Town Hall, Town Town, I can't remember the name of the organization that runs it, but it's also part of the the Sheriff's Association. It's just an event to encourage people to come out on that day and meet their neighbor and um, create some type of neighborhood safety that way and it works together with um, neighborhood watch because once people know each other they start talking about neighborhood watch and things like that
2: awesome awesome all right man well we are very quickly running out of time so let's get to 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 the 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 big final questions we know you've prepared for al first before we get to that (laughs) i know you've got a uh you've got a book um tell us about that in in 20 seconds What is it, and where can people uh, uh, what What can people get it uh, get out of it, and where can they get it?
4: Well, it's it's live on Amazon right now. I really get it up last night, and uh, there's a website called Catalytic Landlord that they can um, buy one for their Kindle, or they can buy a a PDF, a Catalytic Landlord, and there's a workbook that goes along with it, It helps you write an action plan for your community. And so I basically try to transfer uh, the questions that I wish someone would have helped me walk through to a workbook so oh, that's
2: okay. great and we'll we'll point to that from the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show eight um definitely make sure people can get their uh, their hands on it
3: um so speaking of books al what is your favorite real estate book out there other than uh, your so, own of course <laughs> <laughs> there's,
4: there's there's so many you know that um uh, previously mentioned i don't want to say the same things that everyone said with the kiyosaki and the all the all the great ones out there, but do you know the one that really did it for me when I first started out is called the 36-hour real estate investing course. And it was just a book I got from Barnes and Noble, but that that walked me through the basics, and that was that was really good. So that that probably has the most memories for me because I went over that one <laughs> so many times. Okay. Nice, cool. Nice. Yeah. I haven't I haven't read that one, so I'll uh, I'll look that up.
2: What about business book? What's your favorite business book?
4: You know I I uh, I like everything regarding leadership because leadership and and my real estate kind of tied together so anything by john maxwell i like he's, he's got a lot of good stuff out and but the um the business book that kind of really did it for me that really triggered me was a book by edward de bono called uh, serious creativity and um uh, helped me uh, match my my uh my natural ability to want to be a problem solver with business and understanding, you could be a creative problem solver. So I, that really did it for me.
2: Nice, nice. Um, and uh, you know, it, it, outside of real estate, I, I understand you're a bit of a geek. You're, you're. I think you're a Trekkie. In fact, I, <laughs> I know we, we we were dropping some some Star Trek references,
4: right? Guilty as charged. Guilty as <laughs>
2: charged. Any any other hobbies or anything interesting outside of uh, real estate?
4: Well, Brandon busted me out about my yoga. Nice. yeah yes. So, so I was a you know I was a gymnast growing up and all through college, and uh, then I kept doing did marathons biking, but now I'm for work, I'm traveling I'm in a hotel quite a bit, and for some reason, it just kind of got thicker. I had to figure out how I could work out in a hotel room, so therefore the the yoga started up
2: versus Brandon doing his uh Thirty minutes of P ninety in front of the computer. That's ins-
3: insanity. <laughs> much, much, much more hardcore there. <laughs> All right. So, last question, Al. Uh, in this industry, there are you know millions of landlords out there, and a lot of them come and go. A lot of them fail, and a lot of them succeed. So, in your opinion, what do you see as the ones who are the most successful? What sets them apart?
4: Wow. You know. You know. Really understanding why you're doing it. Is, I think it's key for me. I mean, why are you trying to build this wealth? And this, why are you working this method for it? So and we kind of talked about before, you know, I'm, I'm involved in real estate. I enjoy helping people and I enjoy uh, you know, creating wealth for my kids. So that's really why I'm in it. If I was in it for some other reasons, you know, to cre- create a fortune or to, to uh, create a certain image, I, I think I wouldn't have the staying power that that uh, i've had that's yeah. that's great
2: well listen where can people find more about you you're on bigger pockets you got a profile yes. on our site you're blogging yes. on our site you also have your own site leading landlord are you uh do you, you connect on facebook obviously you, you mentioned yes. earlier um so we'll point people to that um okay. oh, and, uh, twitter g plus anywhere else or or
4: g yeah. e plus i'm i'm learning my my way around there and um, you know, if, if people want to get a hold of me, Bigger Pockets blog is probably the best spot. Just hit me up there, and and we'll chat. Nice, cool, nice,
2: awesome. Well, Al, it's it's been been very uh, very educational. I, I'm I'm uh, I've learned a lot the, about the hustle landlord, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, very unconventional, but unconventional. Lots, of, lots of interesting stuff, and and uh, you know, hopefully, we can. Uh, explore some of that maybe we'll we'll broach some of those topics on the forums on the site a little bit so we can get people uh, chatting about it So, okay. but thanks for coming man
4: my pleasure yeah thanks Al
2: and that was our show with Al Williamson I hope you picked up some great ideas and ways to help you better your landlording skills if you want to check out the show notes with links to all the stuff we talked about in the show head over to biggerpockets.com slash show 8 as always I just wanted to remind everyone who's not a member of Bigger Pockets to come check out biggerpockets.com and get plugged into our awesome, awesome free community. Also, don't forget to hang out with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash biggerpockets. Until next time, this is Josh Dorkin signing off.
1: You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units.